Welcome to Worldview, a foreign affairs podcast from the Irish Times. I'm Chris Dooley. They're not uh, pessimistic facts or optimistic facts. They are just the best information we have as of this time. Just the facts. That's what New York's Governor Andrew Cuomo promised the public last spring in his daily briefings on the first wave of the coronavirus pandemic. New York was an early epicentre of the outbreak in the US, and as infection and mortality rates mounted, the empathetic but straight-talking governor was a soothing presence in nightly news bulletins. In many ways, the fear is more dangerous than the virus. Cuomo's reliance on the science and his willingness to take tough measures to control the spread of the virus stood in contrast to the message emanating daily from the White House. Such was Cuomo's standing at that time that there was talk of him being destined for the White House. He published a best-selling book about leadership. He even won an Emmy Award for his masterful use of television to inform and calm people around the world. Your daily briefings, live from New York, gave us hope, gave us clarity, gave us the truth, and gave us something that we were not getting from Washington. Leadership. Less than a year later, Cuomo's world seems to have come crashing down. Two scandals, one to do with sexual harassment claims against him by a number of women, the other to do with nursing home debts in the pandemic, have left him facing calls for his resignation. I don't see how the governor can continue to do his job. Uh, I think it's become untenable. Suzanne Lynch, our Washington correspondent, joins me now and has more on this story. Suzanne, before we get into more details on the scandals that are threatening to end his career, could you tell us a bit more about Andrew Cuomo? He's a three-term governor and the son of a three-term governor, so he's a big noise in US politics. Yes, he's a very well-known figure here in the United States. Uh, He's the son of Mario Cuomo, who was a very famous uh, governor of New York, who uh, flirted with running for president um, quite a few times, never quite did, but was a huge presence in democratic politics for a long time here. Now, uh, his elder son, Andrew Cuomo, um, was always closely involved with his father's uh, political campaign. Um, During his father's 1982 campaign for governor, Andrew was his campaign manager. He then joined his father's staff as a policy advisor. Um, He himself had trained as a lawyer, Andrew had, and he became New York assistant district attorney, worked for a law firm. And then uh, during the Clinton administration, he moved to Washington and he worked there in the Department of Housing and Urban Development, eventually becoming secretary, a cabinet position under the Clinton administration. And then, as expected, he continued in New York politics himself when that position ended. And then he ran for governor himself. Uh, So he's been governor of New York State since 2011. Uh, He's also well known because his younger brother, Chris Cuomo, is a very well known uh, CNN presenter. And the two brothers appeared on TV quite a bit last year during at the height of the COVID crisis. At one point, Chris Cuomo, the presenter, had contracted COVID and he was broadcasting from his basement. And then he had his elder brother on to interview and there's a lot of banter. Do you believe that there has been a shift in your ambitions and in your sense of yourself because of all these new friends you seem to have? Yeah, some say I shouldn't come on this show because you harass me. Too much fierce accountability? me. Can't take it? Want a pat on the back? Love goes? It's ad hominem, ad hominem attacks. Don't speak Spanish on my show. uh, First, I'm a fan of Ellen. To do Ellen's show was a pleasure for me. I'm a big fan of Ellen. Yes, she said nice things about me. Yes, she did. Uh, which he didn't say about you, nope. but she was just telling the truth. And even at the time, there was criticism or questions about that editorial strategy. Um, and now CNN are coming o- under criticism from the right. Um, much of it unfounded that they're not covering this current scandal involving Andrew Cuomo enough. Um, but that is becoming a real talking point on right-wing media here. 
Now, during that time, at the height of the crisis, and in, in this time last year and the weeks following, uh, Andrew Cuomo-Strauer was very much in the ascendancy. What was it about his handling of the pandemic as it affected New York that people most admired? So people will remember that in the spring last year, New York had become the epicentre of the COVID crisis. There were really dramatic and distressing scenes coming from mostly around New York City, but the state as a whole. This was around the time where President Trump was kind of hijacking the daily coronavirus briefings here. It's going to go away, hopefully at the end of the month. And if not, it hopefully will be soon after that. Making outlandish statements, frankly, about injecting bleach and promoting hydroxychloroquine. Hydroxychloroquine. I'm taking it, hydroxychloroquine. Right now, yeah. And Andrew Cuomo began giving daily TV briefings that the TV networks here in the United States covered. Number of deaths, 1,900, up from 1,550. That number will continue to go up. So it's quite unusual for a governor of a state to get uh, that much coverage. But it, it, it was a comparable to Rudy Giuliani's national profile after September the 11th. Andrew Cuomo all of a sudden had this huge national profile because New York was at the epicenter of the COVID crisis. Everyone asks the same questions and they're all good questions. When is this going to be over? And the answer is nobody knows for sure. And also he was contrasted with President Trump. He's doing nothing. All he's doing is uh, walking in front of the parade. People warmed to it, people tuned into this. They felt that this was somebody in control, somebody in, in leadership, even though he was, the, the numbers were obviously appalling. He portrayed uh, this idea of a leader and somebody in control. So much so, actually, that, um, which a lot of people found very distasteful, he actually won an Emmy for these TV briefings. And he also wrote a book about leadership at that time. And at the time of that Emmy Awards, Suzanne, of course, lots of celebrities come out at that time, you know, giving, you know, major sort of public endorsements of Cuomo and how he'd handled the crisis. Governor Andrew Cuomo, you are the man. What? Congratulations, Andrew, on your much-deserved Founders Award. It's probably worth reminding ourselves, Suzanne, isn't it, just how bad the crisis was in New York at that time. I mean, this was a bigger challenge than any governor could reasonably expect to have to face. Yes, I mean, New York, um, about late March, early April, um, was had emerged as just a centre of the global ba- battle against the pandemic. There was a lot of focus on how uh, COVID had arrived in New York, the fact that flights were coming into New York City from Europe, which, of course, where it all really began in the West after, after the initial outbreak in Wuhan. And that is why people feel a lot of it did break out in New York. There were lots of flights coming in from Europe in particular, um, and of course, the close proximity in which people live in New York City uh, and in Brooklyn. So uh, very quickly, hospitals became overwhelmed. Um, you know, there's already been about 40,000 deaths, I think, in the whole New York state, just in that state alone, um, and well over a million people, um, you know, close to 1.5, 1.6, 1.7 million cases of COVID, uh, in, uh, but mostly around New York City. That was the epicentre. Como was was praised for uh, taking control of the situation, of making, uh, not only, as I said, dealing with the uh, the federal government of Washington, but also making decisions about closings of schools, social distancing requirements and restaurants. In New York today, the governor compared the pandemic to September 11th, calling it evil and stressing that people should continue to stay at home, even though there are signs that the curve may be flattening. 
That's because and he was praised so much for his handling of the crisis, Suzanne, that he at one point became a kind of darling of the democratic establishment. And I think there was even talk of him being drafted in to replace Joe Biden as the party's candidate for the presidency. Yes, there was. He was seriously, um, it's, he, he was held up as as somebody who could run for president. Um, because this was all happening, you know, around April, May last year. Um, it was just after the primaries and Joe Biden was just clinching, um, had just clinched, um, you know, after Super Tuesday, a lot of support. But Bernie Sanders was still in the race until June. Um, so there was a lot of rumours, would he run for president? Um, it, it became clear, you know, uh, that that it was something he considered. Even his brother, his younger brother, asked him on CNN at one point, um, and he batted that question away. But then later in the year, he said, "You know, who knows? I may." I may. He he didn't like every good politician. He didn't uh, shut it down completely. But people thought he was maybe more of a moderate. That um, what Democrats needed when there was this debate in the Democratic Party about do you go too much to the left under Bernie Sanders, um, or do you need someone in the moderate, more middle ground? And Cuomo was held up as that kind of middle ground, a Democratic figure with that national profile who could appeal to, you know, disaffected Republicans across the country. When did things start to turn against him then? I think the nursing homes controversy came before the sexual harassment and bullying claims. Yes. Um, so the issue around the nursing homes, this was always brewing in local politics and local media in New York. It all uh, centres around a policy that he introduced last, last March that effectively ordered nursing homes to accept patients who had been discharged from hospitals after being treated for COVID. So in other words, allowing um, or instructing nursing homes to allow patients in with COVID because the hospitals were being so overwhelmed. That was his strategy. But of course, that, some people argue, led to more COVID deaths in nursing homes. How many residents of nursing homes and similar facilities have died due to COVID-19 in New York State? More than 15,000. My mother passed away alone. It's something that will haunt me. A group of protesters and their assemblymen calling for a federal probe into New York State nursing home deaths, pointing fingers at the governor. But then that morphed into a debate about the reporting of, no, of nursing home deaths, which is what's kind of um, emerged just in January now because there's been a final report on it. And effectively, the Cuomo administration has been accused of not properly reporting the, the numbers of people who died in nursing homes from COVID because the report that came out from the health department said that people who had died who were initially in, co in nursing homes with COVID and then went to hospital and died, that they weren't included in the nursing home deaths. They were included in the overall deaths. So that's not reflecting the scale of the numbers of people who died in nursing homes from COVID. So yeah, this story had been kind of brewing, but it was very much a kind of a local New York story. It didn't really come to the fore, but it really has come to the fore uh, in recent weeks. And um, some people in his own party, this is where he's, the political pressure began to build, were critical of this. And Democrats control both houses of the state legislature in New York. Uh, and some of his members of his own party, prominent members, started really criticising for this and saying, we need answers. You were trying to repress these numbers to make yourself look good. Um, and we need an accurate, transparent account of who died where and how many numbers. Now, Cuomo, one of the issues for him was that a close aide told lawmakers on a call that the, her, her employer was concerned, essentially, that the Trump administration would use the data, if they got the real data, as a political weapon against Cuomo. On a private phone call with lawmakers, DeRosa said after being asked last summer for the information by the Trump administration's Department of Justice, quote, basically we froze, adding they were afraid that the numbers would 
be used against us. And how did he justify this policy of making nursing homes take back, you know, recovering COVID-19 patients who have been in hospital? Because hospitals, I mean, there was a huge, huge issue about bottlenecks in hospital, and that is why thousands of people died in New York. One of the reasons thousands of people died, people could not get into hospitals and they could not be treated and many of them died. So this was the theory that you moved people out into long-term facilities when they were deemed, as they put it, medically stable. So that was the kind of policy. But as I say, you know, this was happening in the middle of all the crisis when the numbers were just huge. And it was only later, really, that that policy came under scrutiny. When... Suzanne, then, did the sexual harassment claims begin and what's the nature of them? So uh, this has been the second scandal to hit Cuomo. Um, And again, in the last few weeks, um, we now have six women who have made accusations of sexual harassment or inappropriate behaviour by the governor. The first person was Lindsay Boylan. She is a former aide and she said that Mr Cuomo had kissed her on the lips without her consent after a private meeting in his office in 2018. And then we saw more women come uh, come forward, most specifically and maybe most high profile Another woman, Charlotte Bennett. She is the first person to come forward and actually tell her story in front of a camera. Very vulnerable position. She's a 25-year-old former employee. And she said uh, she described an encounters encounters with the governor when he asked her, did she have intimacy issues because she was a sexual assault advisor, uh, survivor, um, whether she had ever had sex with older men. What were you thinking as he's asking you? these questions. I thought, he's trying to sleep with me. The governor's trying to sleep with me. And I'm deeply uncomfortable. And I have to get out of this room as soon as possible. And what's uh, another concern about those uh, allegations is that she said she told the governor's chief of staff about that account- their encounter and provided a statement on it, but she was transferred to another job. And then most recently, just in the last couple of days, uh, we have a sixth person. And this is different because this is actually accusing of the governor of, of groping her, of physical sexual assault um, at his, his home in Albany, the capital that's up in nor- north, north of New York State. So this is the newest. So we've now got six women who have made accusations against him. And how has Cuomo responded to these allegations? Well, the latest allegation, which is one of sexual assault, he came out, um, you know, a spokesperson, you know, came out very strong on that and said, I've never done anything like this. But he did, uh, about a week ago, make a statement. I want New Yorkers to hear from me directly on this. You know, we are in the post or the Me Too era and he, his, his statements was ver- were very uh, comparable to other statements made by, by men where he said, you know, uh, he apologised for, as he put it, you know, this, that he, he acknowledged the questions that have been raised about his past behaviour. He said that sometimes I think he, I'm being playful and make jokes um, and that's my style. I now understand that I acted in a way that made people feel uncomfortable. And then he said, I'm truly sorry about that, but I never inappropriately touched anybody. But he's also said this message about like women need to be heard. You know, they need to speak their truth and let's hear from women first. But the the fallout from all this really is that there's now an investigation. So this is kind of where we're at now with the whole process. And who's carrying out that investigation? Yeah, so there was controversy about what kind of an investigation this would be. And at one point, Cuomo seemed to be too involved and kind of 
not entirely choosing, but who might be leading the investigation. And there was some tension. Letitia James came out publicly and kind of said, look, I am making the decision on how this investigation is going to run. So really, in uh, just this week, actually, the Attorney General has named two people uh, to lead this investigation into these accusations. They are former US attorney for the Southern District of New York and then a woman who's an employment discrimination lawyer. They are now going to start their investigation and they will have subpoena power. So, you know, they'll be able to call witnesses, call documents. I mean, in particular, as I mentioned, this issue about uh, Charlotte Bennett saying she made a complaint to uh, the governor's chief of staff, you know, it's obviously an issue there. So that's where the process is. So that, in a sense, may be buying Andrew Cuomo some time and taking some heat out of the situation because he can say, you know, this ongoing investigation is, is taking place. And what has been the political reaction to all of this, Suzanne? Is, is the Democratic Party establishment standing by him? Um, well, not entirely. This week there may be a little bit more heat taken out of it, but no, in that some of the senior Democrats in New York politics have, have taken him on. And most significantly, um, the majority leader in the state Senate. So both the, the Senate and the Assembly, the two houses in New York State are Democrat controlled. So the majority leader in the state Senate, uh, her name is Andrea Stewart-Cousins, she on Sunday called for him to resign. So that was a, a real statement and people thought maybe like, you know, is this is this curtains for Andrew Cuomo? He's lost the support of the top Democrat in the New York State Senate. But but no, he said he's not resigning. And then, the, you know, somebody else, Richard Gottfried, he's a Democrat, the longest serving Democrat in the lower chamber, also called on him to, to resign. But, you know, that's kind of been it. There was also... Um, during during the debate over the uh, more over the nursing home controversy, one of the uh, a member of the state assembly, Ron Kim, he went out publicly. He was on all, all the national channels saying that Cuomo had recalled him and threatened to destroy him if he didn't back him. And the issue there was that a lot of people came out and backed Kim and started um, saying, well, Mayor de Blasio, the mayor of New York in particular, no love lost there. He came out publicly, said he backed Kim's account of this phone call, and he said lots of people in New York have received those phone calls. The bullying from Cuomo is nothing new. So there's a lot of people there in the wings waiting to uh, take Cuomo down. They feel they don't like his abrasive style. Some people say his bullying work atmosphere. But at the moment, there doesn't seem to be the critical mass of people who really have pushed against him. He seems to be safe for the moment, um, or at least he's not willing to resign until this investigation is completed. Do you think Cuomo can recover from this, Suzanne, and go on to serve a fourth term? Or, you know, have we heard the last of any talk of him being destined for the White House? I think it's a huge challenge for him to see if he can come out of this. Um, he may, uh, he has said a fourth term is on the table. He's 63 um, but the idea of him running for president, I think that is it become a problem now. But then some people have made the point that let's not forget Joe Biden himself was accused only last year of past inappropriate comments and behavior towards women. And he wrote that out. And he's now the president of the United States. So, you know, let's see. Uh, but at the moment, I think the problem for Cuomo is that people saw hubris and overconfident at a man who was kind of trumping his credentials in dealing with the COVID pandemic, even though, you know, thousands of people were dying. And um, that a lot of people obviously have been waiting the wings to, to, to get revenge on Cuomo for what they see as his um, overarching uh, bullying tactics. But also, I mean, this is another point. I think this is what's interesting about the local politics. There has been a concern by New York polit politicians that he has too much power. So he has used, there are also executive orders at a state level, that he has used the, these emergency powers 
to push through measures, COVID measures. And that's a very interesting point of discussion because, for example, presumably the executive order about the, the nursing homes, you know, that wouldn't have happened perhaps if there was more oversight, if he'd made that decision in collaboration with other lawmakers. Instead, he, you know, he bulldozed through and made his own decisions. So I think there's a, you know, there's a broader discussion happening that he has uh, assumed too much power and um, there was a vote on stripping him of his executive power. Now, in the end, they kind of allowed, they, they did ban him from issuing new executive orders, but he will be able to extend the ones that are already there. And of course, he's arguing that, you know, in a crisis, you need to have that power. But I think that's a theme running through all this. And that might be why um, there's been such a pushback from so many Democrats about not just his style, but, but the fact that there's too much of a concentration of power. Suzanne, thank you. That's it for this week. For more on this and other stories, go to irishtimes.com. Thanks for listening. Goodbye for now.